All right, well, hey, good morning, and uh, welcome to our online worship service. Uh, if you're new to FBC, my name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you are with us, uh, wherever you're tuning in from, however you're tuning in. I'm so glad that you're here. And if, if you're new, this is a great time to be here because we, as a church, are starting something new. We're jumping into a new sermon series in the book of 2 Timothy in the New Testament. And for the next couple months, we're just going to walk through this fabulous book of the New Testament and see what God has for us. Uh, The series is called Onward. Uh, Onward, it's all about this passionate call to follow Jesus into the next season, into the next uh, season of life and really history, to, to look forward to what is ahead. And so rather than, uh, in, a, in a strange and difficult time, uh, fall back into retreat mode or into fear or into bitterness, uh, this letter is going to encourage us and call us to, to step out with joy, with hope, into the work that God has for us ahead. Uh, we believe at FBC that the Bible is God's Word, that God has spoken to us, made himself known through his word. And so every week when we come together, a big part of our worship is to get into to scripture, to read it and to let God speak to us and change us. And so uh, let me pray for us as we get ready to do that this morning in Second Timothy. Father, I pray that you would bless our morning. Would you help us see you clearly? Uh, we come with open hands and humble hearts to say, Lord, teach us. Guide us by your word. Convict us. Challenge us. Open our eyes. Help us see. Do all this by the power of the Spirit. God, that we might leave this morning changed because of our time with you. So we look to you now and we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in communication, they say that people remember the first and the last thing you say more than anything else. Meaning, as long as you start well and end well, uh, everything in between will sort of work itself out. Kind of like an airplane, right? The most important part of the flight that you take on an airplane is what? That you take off, okay, and that the landing goes well, right? We really want those two parts of the trip to be done well. Uh, and everything else in between, we'll, we'll give a little wiggle room if there's some turbulence, if there's some, some concerns in the air. We'll forgive that as long as, again, takeoff and landing go okay. Well, this fall in the letter of Second Timothy, we have a chance to look at how the Apostle Paul landed his ministry plane. We're going to see him finish well. Because Paul, a follower of Jesus in the first century, Uh, One of the the most well-known names in the history of the church, he wrote nearly half of the New Testament. Uh, He's a gifted missionary and evangelist. Um, Of all the books and all the letters that he wrote that we have uh, in our New Testament, the letter of 2 Timothy is his last one. It's the last letter he wrote. See, sometime in the mid-60s AD, Paul finds himself in prison again, for stirring up trouble in the ancient world because he's, he's spreading the good news about Jesus and planting churches and it's shaking things up. And so he finds himself in prison, awaiting his death, knowing that his days are numbered. He writes this letter to his dear friend and co-worker in ministry, Timothy. And so while this is the beginning of our study this fall, we're looking at the end of Paul's life. Now, I know that might 
seem like a fairly strange note to start on, or maybe that's discouraging or somber to start here, because isn't that rather pessimistic, right? We're starting a sermon series called Onward, about looking forward, looking ahead with optimism about what the future holds. But see, this context about where Paul finds himself is necessary because we realize that really we have basically the last words of Paul. We have his final charge, his parting words, his farewell discourse, where Paul is saying essentially at the end of his race, he's at the finish line, he wants to encourage Timothy and encourage us to step out onward, saying, I'm finishing my race, but there is so much for you ahead. And here's what I want you to be aware of. Here's what I want you to lean into. Here's how I want you to step out onward as you follow Jesus. And so with that understanding, let's uh, look at how the letter begins in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. You can turn there with me today. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God when I, whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Well, we see here a fairly standard introduction to an ancient letter in these opening verses. Paul uh, acknowledges himself as the author in verse 1, an apostle, and then verse 2, writing to Timothy, my dear son, grace and mercy and peace. And what I want us to notice about these opening verses, and maybe you already saw it in the text, is the relationships that are on display. See, this letter contains a lot of instruction, uh, teaching, exhortation, uh, commands, even. See, 2 Timothy, along with the letter of 1 Timothy and the letter of Titus, are uh, generally referred to as the pastoral epistles. So those three letters, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, uh, contain a lot about pastoral ministry, about uh, the life of the church, about leadership in the local church, about how Christians are to conduct themselves in the church and in society. And so in, in the weeks ahead, there's all kinds of teaching and instruction and commands and, and challenges. But before we get there, before we jump into all that, we start here by seeing, again, these relationships on display. And first, we see the friendship between Paul and Timothy. Right? You notice it in the text in verse 2. Paul addresses Timothy as his dear son. Now, they weren't related by blood, but Paul is speaking of their deep bond in the faith. See, after Timothy became a believer himself, he started to travel with Paul and minister with Paul and serve with Paul. And you know, if you travel with someone, uh, you're going to get to know them pretty well, okay? You share a bathroom with someone, you bunk with someone, share a room with someone, you're going to get to know them pretty well, okay? And so they room together, they travel together, they share ups and downs, joys and pain in ministry. Uh, they know each other well. And at the time of this letter, when it's being written, obviously they're separated. Paul, as we talked about, is in a prison in Rome, uh, and Timothy is a pastor. Timothy is a leader in the church in Ephesus, 
And so Paul writes to him and he points out first, notice, what unites them as brothers, what their relationship is based on. Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. So Paul writes and reminds Timothy right out of the gate of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, that their bond is because they are co-laborers in the gospel. They're not just, just buddies in general, but they're, they're buddies in the gospel. They have this bond of faith because they share the same hope, a salvation through faith in Jesus that has brought life, this promise of life to all who believe. And I love, as, as Paul addresses Timothy, you notice he doesn't hold back his affection for Timothy. Look closer at verse 3. It says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Do you notice the affection in Paul's language? I thank God for you. I'm praying constantly night and day for you. I long to see you. I'm recalling your tears, and the tears he references here uh, possibly could be uh, from Acts chapter 20, when Paul, a few years earlier, leaves Ephesus, and Timothy and the elders there are are weeping as they say goodbye. Uh, This possibly could be because Paul has caught wind or caught word of a difficult season that Timothy is going through in ministry. And so maybe uh, that has led Timothy to tears. And Paul is saying, hey, I I know about your tears and I want to be there to encourage you. So we don't know exactly what tears he's referencing here, but either way, there's clear emotion involved. And maybe this starts to feel a bit squishy for some, all this talk of longing and tears and night and day, thinking of you and praying for you. Sometimes we're hesitant to Uh, talk that way with one another. And I wonder what keeps us from that kind of encouragement, that kind of uh, warmth in our language. I think sometimes for men, it's because we have a a kind of warped view of masculinity, uh, that we think that to be uh, masculine and strong, somehow it means we're aloof or emotionally unavailable, but that's not a biblical picture of masculinity. Sometimes uh, we are nervous in our friendships to kind of take that first step. It feels awkward to just encourage others, to let people know how much we appreciate them. We don't want to come on too strong. You know, we just want to play it cool. Hey, yeah, no. But that's silly. Because in in genuine friendships, we're willing to be seen. We're willing to, to show up, to open our hearts to others. And chances are the friends in your life need this kind of encouragement. And we'll be really blessed by it. Because we all need encouragement. And so we all can be friends like Paul here who don't hold back, who say, I call you my dear son. I thank God for you. I'm constantly praying for you. I long to be with you. See, the Bible shows us in a number of places the power of words. We all, unfortunately, know how destructive, harmful words can be. But we also know how encouraging and and life-giving and healing uh, positive words can be. Have you ever had someone say something nice to you? They mentioned something about your new shirt or about the way you're doing your hair. They saw you do something nice and they uh, applaud you or appreciate you for something you did for someone else. And they notice it and they point it out and you're like, oh, well, thank you. (laughs) Kind of made my day. It, It builds you up. It's meaningful. 
Proverbs 16, verse 24 puts it this way. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Or Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So Scripture shows us to have gracious speech that's life-giving, to use our words not to tear others down, but to, to build others up according to their needs. And so, friends, I just want to encourage us to be friends like Paul here, to use our words to encourage, to not hold back encouragement and love from those around us, to build other people up. And so a, a simple piece of homework for you today, for everyone here who's, who's listening to this and, and tuning in, I want to encourage you to today encourage one person. Okay, so today, before the day is done, I want you to think about one person that uh, you are grateful for, one person that God has put in your life, and I want you to tell them that you're grateful for them. Okay, simply uh, send a text message, make a phone call, have one conversation, and I encourage you to be specific. But the more specific you can be, the better. Let them know, hey, I just want you to know uh, I'm really grateful for you. And here's how you've brought joy to my life. I thank God for you. I'm praying for you. That will make someone's day. And so as a simple step towards us being just uh, relentless encouragers, let's take that step today. Now, you don't have to do it right now because, you know, church, but just keep, you can have your phone ready maybe right after the service. Okay, send, send a message or maybe even to and let people know you love them. Paul doesn't hold back in this with Timothy. So we need to be friends who encourage. But we can make things even simpler from these opening verses and realize uh, we see Paul and Timothy's friendship and realize that we need friends. Let's just say it real simply. We need friends. Okay, we weren't to, meant to live the Christian life alone. And so we see this bond between Paul and Timothy. We see a picture of, of intimate friendship, of serving Jesus together, of weeping and rejoicing together. And if we're going to be uh, called onward with Jesus to step out into the future as the church, we need real friendships with depth and integrity and honesty. I saw a post online uh, recently about friendship, and I, maybe one of you shared it. I don't remember who shared it, okay? If it was you, uh, thank you. Let me know. I'll send you a book to say thank you or, or, or something like that. But I saw this quote that I thought was really good. It said, uh, friendship is so weird. You pick a random human you've never met, and you say, this one. I want to go on adventures with this one. Or C.S. Lewis has said, uh, friendship is when you simply look at someone else and say, you too? I thought I was the only one. So isn't friendship interesting? Say, hey, you, we're, this is my person. Now we're going to go on adventures today. There's this bond here, this connection that wasn't there before. And it's actually so much deeper and more meaningful as Christians because we, what, we realize that, that we're not friends by, friends by chance. It's not just random. It maybe seems that way to us on the surface, but we believe in a sovereign God. We believe that God in his sovereignty and in his providence has, has woven our story and connected us with the stories of others purpose, purposefully. He's intentionally placed people around us and, and, and put our stories together. 
Which means that God is calling us to, to open up our hearts to those around us, trusting that God's placed people in our lives for this time and this season intentionally. Especially if they're different from us, especially if they're friends that we wouldn't maybe choose for ourselves. There's beauty in uh, unity in the church. There's friendship and relationship and, and authentic community across all kinds of lines that would otherwise divide us. Now, we need friendships. We want friendships. Even if you're an introvert, okay, introverts here, I know you might need less friends, fewer friends than the rest of us, but you still need your people, right? We all need community. But often things get in the way, and, and we don't experience the community that we long for. And there's a number of reasons for that, but I want to just point out one big problem that gets in the way of our friendships and gets in the way of meaningful community. One of the biggest things today that gets in the way of friendships is our idol of freedom. Okay, personal freedom gets in the way of meaningful relationships. And here's what I mean. I didn't realize this on my own, okay? I'm leaning heavily here on the work of Mark Sayers, a pastor and author, and I think he's so right on this point. He points out how we in the West so value personal freedom that it prevents us from having meaningful, deep friendships. Think about it. In order to have meaningful relationships, you have to limit your freedom, Right? When you get married, in order to have a meaningful marriage and relationship with your spouse, it limits your freedom. Your schedule has to change. How you spend your money has to change. What you can or should do with other people uh, changes because of that commitment you've made. So the meaningful relationship of marriage limits your freedom necessarily. The same thing if those of you that have kids. In order to have meaningful relationships with your kids, it limits your freedom. It limits what you can do, what your schedule looks like. It's not a bad thing. That's just a principle of how life works. But so what Mark Sayer says is he points out how we need community. We need meaningful friendships and relationships. Maybe many of us will even complain about not having community. Or we'll complain about how we maybe don't feel connected at church. Right? One of the top things that people want when they come to a church is, is community. It's near the top of the list. They want relationships. Uh, but then he says, we want it, we need it, but our lifestyle, our personal freedom is constantly taking us away from community, right? We, we're gone on the weekends. We take trips with our family so we aren't around in our community to build friendships. Or, or we're, we're too busy to be consistent at a small group each week. Or we want to keep our options open and so we won't commit to things. Or we'll commit to something loosely and then we'll back out if plans change or something uh, comes along that's a better opportunity. Or maybe we'll be really hit and miss and we'll kind of drop off the map for a few weeks at a time and won't respond to messages. And so we, we crave community. We need community. But we so idolize our personal freedom and our schedule and our way of life that we're not willing to sacrifice it for the sake of meaningful connections that we need. And we often don't realize how our commitment to our own freedom undermines the connection that we crave. And so we stay stuck, always desiring community, 
but unwilling to make the changes that will allow us to experience it. And so, friends, in light of the example of Paul and Timothy, their bond, their friendship, their shared experience, I want to invite you to embrace friendship this season. The primary way that we can do that at FBC is through small groups. We have groups of people that meet weekly, study the Bible, pray together, and and share life. Talk about ups and downs, laugh together, cry, pray together. I'm not saying that you're going to be best friends with everyone in your small group, but in small groups, that's where community is going to happen. We all need it. So I want to encourage you to, to join a small group this fall if you haven't already. And if you're in a small group, again, throw yourself wholeheartedly into the relationships in your group. Love those people. Walk alongside those people. There's going to be a link in the chat box right now where you can sign up for a small group this fall. Don't miss an opportunity to be in community. So friends, we see in the opening verses of this text, God moves us onward in the context of friendship, like Paul and Timothy. But God also moves us onward in the context of family. And you see this in verse 4 and 5. Uh, recalling your tears, I long to see you, Timothy, so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of, verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. So we see not only uh, Paul and Timothy's friendship on display, but now we get a glimpse of Timothy's family. Paul points to the faith of his grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice. Now, we, we don't know much about these two women beyond what they read here. They knew the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, they taught Timothy from a young age, and they became followers of Jesus when they heard the gospel. And I want you to notice in verse 5 and elsewhere, there's no mention of Timothy's father. Apparently, his dad was not a Christian, was not a, a believer. But, but faith was kept and central in the household through Timothy's mother and his grandmother. And I hope that that can be an encouragement to you because I know that there are a number of, of women in our church who come to church alone. And you're married, uh, but your husband doesn't come to church with you. Uh, you bring your kids to church maybe by yourself. And I know that that can't be easy. But I want you to notice in the text here that that God worked powerfully in Timothy's family, not because he was raised in this uh, perfect Christian home with two Christian parents modeling Christ-like love to one another, okay? Dad wasn't reading the Bible uh, with Timothy. Dad didn't love Jesus. Dad wasn't doing devotions with the kids, in the mornings. But God moved powerfully in that family because of the faithful presence of Eunice, Timothy's mother. And we can think throughout history of other famous mothers who have prayed for their sons and daughters and been an example of faith. We think of uh, the famous St. Augustine, again, one of the names in church history that is most well-known. His mother, Monica, was a constant example of faith and prayer for him. We think of uh, John and Charles Wesley, again, significant figures in the history of the church. Uh, Their mother, Susanna, who was the primary example of faith and prayer in their homes. 
prayed for these kids constantly. And so I want you to be encouraged, if that's you, that God can do the same thing in your family and in your kids, even if you are alone in that walk. But we do notice here that faith is designed to be lived out as a family, right? Timothy has this uh, generational faith that gets passed down. He wasn't a self-made man, but he had his grandmother and his mother to thank for teaching him about Jesus, for shaping him, for modeling a godly life for him. And so, as we prepare to step out on mission with Jesus onward into the fall and into what's ahead, we do so first in the context of our family, Before we go out and try and change the world for Jesus, let's make sure that we're loving and leading those closest to us. And so just a word to you parents listening. I know this is a challenging season, especially with online school and all kinds of adjustments that you've had to make. And and without meeting in person on Sunday mornings, there's no kids ministry, no kids ministry. Uh, classrooms or Sunday school teachers that are every week investing in the life of your kids, uh, which is meant that uh, teaching and discipling your kids has fallen on your shoulders more than before. We've always believed and emphasized at this church that parents are to be the primary disciplers, disciple makers in their homes and church staff and volunteers simply uh, come alongside parents in that task. But, but now, uh, again, this is more true than ever that parents uh, have that necessary role in the lives of their kids. So I just want to encourage you, as, as Pastor Lee has shared before, uh, to really take advantage of this season with your kids uh, in the craziness of changes and adjustments, uh, to not let faith and following Jesus kind of fall to the back burner. I want you to take advantage of the weekly resources that Pastor Lee and the team send out. Uh, there are, again, uh, Bible lessons for you and the kids. There are videos on the website. There are songs that your kids will love. It's even not too late to do VBS. We still have our VBS videos up on our website. Uh, you can watch those. If your kids missed it, they can still participate. Again, Zoe and Daniel loved it. So there's all kinds of opportunities for you. It's not too late. And also, again, Pastor Kyle with our junior high students and our high school students have done a fantastic job. I'm so proud of the ministry and the work that he's put in. Uh, but again, similarly to, to kids, um, Kyle comes alongside parents. He's coming alongside you in your work of discipling your kids. And so he can't replace your role. And so this is an opportunity, parents, to see faith passed on to the next generation and lead your kids in that way. And this is what happened with Timothy. There's a generational faith and we want to emulate this. And at this point, I know there's maybe a few questions that come up about generational faith. First, we have to recognize that things don't always work out this way, right? Faith doesn't always get passed on to the next generation. Maybe you've been a Lois or you've been a Eunice and you've raised your kids in the faith and brought them to church and prayed with them in the home and read the Bible to them, but they, they grew up and on their own have, have rejected Jesus. I know many godly parents who love Jesus and did their best to raise their kids in the faith, and their kids eventually leave the church and show no signs of following Jesus. 
I can only imagine how difficult and heartbreaking that may be. And that's you. I want you to know that God is with you, that God loves you, and we can continue to pray with you and trust that no one is beyond the reach of God's love and power, that the power of the gospel can transform any heart, that there's nowhere in the universe that God is not present. God can reach any wayward heart. And so we can continue to hold out hope for the salvation of our young people and kids, even if they've walked away. Continue to love them, share the gospel with them, and be in their lives. The second thing we can say about generational faith is that you can be a Lois or a Eunice, even if you don't have kids, even with kids that are not uh, related to you. Okay, I read recently of a Sunday school teacher who uh, passed away. This was before COVID, and people were actually able to come to his funeral. And uh, tons of kids and students from Sunday school that he taught over the years showed up to the funeral and expressed the impact that this man had in their life. He was a spiritual father. He was an influence on the next generation passing it down, not in his blood family alone, and in the next generation of the church. And the same could be said, again, of, of our Sunday school teachers who work so hard, pour so much out into loving our students and teaching them. We can think of our student ministry volunteers, the hand that they have in shaping the next generation, passing faith along. And this is why it can be so powerful to join a small group. You can know people of other ages, people who have gone before you, or those who are younger than you. You can have a meaningful relationship with them and be a Lois or a Eunice to pass on faith to the next generation, even with those who aren't in your family. Which leads to my last point uh, about generational faith. You might be the only believer in your family. Maybe you're a first-generation Christian and wish, wishing that you had a Lois or a Eunice to look up to in your family. Maybe you feel a little out of place in your family because you're the only one who knows Jesus and loves Jesus, and that's been difficult. That's you. I want you to know that our church has a wealth of spiritual fathers and mothers, mature believers who would love to be a blessing to you. See, the good news is that in Christ we become a a new family. We have belonging and family here, fathers and mothers here. We're brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God as his children. And so there's this new family you get to be a part of. I'd love to talk with you and connect you with someone who can pour their heart into you if you have not uh, connected with a, a spiritual father or mother. So friends, uh, the focus this morning has not been as much on specific commands that Paul writes in the text, right? We're, we're going there. But instead, we've first seen uh, the friendship between Paul and Timothy and the family heritage of Timothy, which reminds us that the Christian faith, this whole following Jesus thing, is not just about us, again, uh, reading the Bible to find some individual, inspirational, spiritual uh, nuggets that we can apply to our life, but it's about stepping out onward, following Jesus in the context of friendship, in the context of family, and in the context of the local church. The New Testament is full of communal language. We are in this together. And so I want to invite you, whether you've been here for uh, years and years and decades, or whether this is your first Sunday with us, to join us on this journey 
to be a part of this community. And I want us to remember as well the gospel, the promise of life in Christ Jesus that Paul says, uh, references in verse 1. Again, what bonds us together as a community is our shared faith in Jesus. So it starts for each of us individually, believing in the Lord Jesus, putting our faith in him, turning from our sins and receiving the gift of salvation, which is a gift that comes to us by grace through faith. So we are saved by the work of Jesus through no work of our own, simply as a gift of God for all who believe. And so we're a community of faith that are united, bonded together, a part of a new family because of Jesus. He's made this new family through his work on the cross and his resurrection. So I invite you to join us. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, let today be the day as you take a step towards following him. You can fill out the connection card, uh, and we would love to help you take next steps, to journey with you, to pray with you, to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. And the last thing I'll say is, if you're here this morning and you're longing for friendship, you're longing for community, but you haven't experienced it, I want to invite you uh, to continue to pursue it, to not give up, to believe that this church is a place where you can belong, no matter your background. When Amber and I moved to Denver uh, years ago, uh, we were totally alone. Our family was all here in Northern California. I went, we went to seminary out there, so we moved, and we knew hardly anybody. And it was lonely. And, there, and we tried to make friendships, and sometimes it didn't work out. And we would just keep showing up. Before we found a church, we were going to church. We were trying to get involved in small groups. We were trying to go to different activities, tried to reach out and connect with people. And a lot of uh, those paths didn't work out. Uh, but it took years, years we were in Denver before we really started to get a sense of, okay, we have meaningful friendships here. We have community. There are people we know and trust and love. It took years but we had to just keep showing up. We had really no other option because we, no, we had no one else around us, no family to fall back. And so we're like, we're here. We got to find some friends. And so we just kept showing up and kept showing up and kept showing up. And eventually, those connections and relationships were built. But it took years. We were in Denver for six years total. And it took several of those years to really get to a place where we felt like we had those relationships. And now we look back on that time and those friends we built over the years and we said, wow, like we love those people some of our dearest friends in the entire world. And so if you're here, and maybe you're in year one, year two, year three, I want to encourage you to keep leaning in. Keep showing up to small group. Keep reaching out, grabbing coffee, connecting with people. This is a place where you can belong. It's sometimes those relationships take time, so don't give up. Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, we thank you for your word, and uh, we thank you for this your, your servants, Paul and Timothy, and Lois and Eunice, and what we learned from them this morning. You've called us to friendship, like Paul and Timothy, to be encouragers, uh, to be in relationship, and you've called us to generational faith, to be people like Lois and Eunice who pass on faith in our families. Would you help us do that today? Take next steps towards that today. Take advantage of this season. And Jesus, we thank you for uh, the truth of the gospel that binds us together as your family. We're not uh, believers, we're not members of your family because of our own works, 
our righteousness because we're so great. We uh, belong to you. We're your children. We're brothers and sisters in this new family because of the work of Jesus. This gift of salvation that we've received simply by trust, by faith, by believing. So we praise you, Jesus. We look to you now. It's in your name we pray. Amen.